my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Radio presents Podversations, a weekly discussion with the biggest names and influencers in podcasting. Want to learn the secret psych-up rituals Scrub star Zach Braff and Donald Faison use before every fake doctor's real friends taping? How Vice News parachutes into war zones to rescue journalists from life-threatening situations? Or why Keegan-Michael Key and Blumhouse believe 3D audio is the future of storytelling? Whether you're a newbie trying to break into the podcast game or an exec trying to refine your playbook, Podversations is the easiest way to keep your pulse on the industry. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the speaker series. My name is Noel Brown, and I'm a lead executive producer and a podcast host here at iHeart. Thanks so much for tuning in. We've been doing these the last several weeks running and they've been going really well and really love the opportunity to be able to do one of these. Will was out this week and so I am picking up the mantle here. In addition to all the podcast stuff that I do, I've also been a lifelong music nerd and a home recording enthusiast and record collector. And I've been incredibly lucky to have been put in charge of overseeing our slate of music podcasts. I give you this background so that you can understand just how kind of freaked out in the best possible way I was to find out that we were bringing on a podcast to the network called Quest Love Supreme. So my like internal monologue when I hear this is, okay, so I get to work on a show where Quest Love interviews musical legends once a week. 
And so like basically 16 year old me and 36 year old me both kind of collectively lost our minds, but it's been fantastic. Questlove is a man who really doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to give you a quick rundown just for a sense of the scope of this man's incredible career. Here goes co-founder, co-front man and drummer of Philadelphia's legendary and Grammy award-winning hip hop band, The Roots. DJ, record producer, Broadway producer, New York Times bestselling author, band leader of The Tonight Show, and podcaster. I'm super excited to welcome Amir Questlove Thompson. Thank Amir, you. Thanks for joining us, man. Really appreciate, appreciate you being that. here. Yeah, you you should be my uh, main MC from now on. <laughs> Kind of like how James Brown has Danny Ray introduce him every night. I, I like that. Thank so you. I actually grew up in Augusta, Georgia, kind of in, you know, always surrounded by James Brown lore. And I worked in a music store. They would rent equipment from us and I would set it up for them at the Imperial Theater, this local theater, so they could do their rehearsals because it was cheaper than bringing their gear out of storage. And so I know Danny Ray very well. And that whole oh, wow. group, it was like a big part of my my youth. Nice. Again, I appreciate you making the time, especially considering like how much you have going on literally all the time. <laughs> I like many even folks, now, yes, always. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you do these DJ sets every night on Instagram Live that are a joy, and really, I think, especially with all the insanity and craziness going on through COVID, you just have a way of unifying people and making people feel kind of connected. And and I've tuned in for them often, and and really appreciate the kind of calm attitude you bring to all of this and your wisdom. I, I think of you because of that and many other things as kind of being, you know, James Brown was always called the hardest working man in show business. I think of you as carrying that torch in a lot of ways. And you've been working since you were a kid. You know, tell yes. us a little bit about how you basically grew up on stage. The short version is that I was born to inside of a musical family. My father was uh, an oldies doo-wop legend from the 50s who by the time I was born, was experiencing his first nostalgia period. So anybody that was popping between like 1954 to like 1961, their fan base was now like in their 30s and 40s. And so what we now know as like the nostalgia circuit, which, you know, is happening right now, like, well, should be happening right now for anybody that released music in the 2000s. So what's weird about my family environment was that my family didn't believe in babysitters. So you had to join the family business. So the fastest way possible is that I think it's with the age of six, they made me the human GPS. Like I was the person that <laughs> had to take notes on, excuse me, how do you get to that da, 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 club and write down the instructions? Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, make a left, make a right. And then when I was eight, they put me on wardrobe details. So they taught me how to iron, press, steam, clean, run stuff to the cleaners, shine Amazing. stuff. And then when I was 10, I was on light duty, which is really weird. And, you know, I still ask my mom to this day, like, was it normal for a 10 year old kid to go to a nightclub to start cutting light gels and getting a ladder <laughs> and putting in colors and all those things and operating the system. Like, you know, they did five shows a night. So sure. there was just a whole new set of rules in the seventies and eighties that you couldn't get away with now. Like no kid would have been allowed in a nightclub, but 10 year old me knew how to operate the light systems and do the sound and do the monitors and all that stuff. And then my drumming career just happened just, you know, not by accident, but just sort of like a, eh. uh, my dad's drummer got in a motorcycle accident so his left arm wasn't operational and dad just shrugged like well all right you know the show 
go get him a suit jacket at Macy's. We were at Radio City Music Hall, and um, I went to Macy's, got a sport jacket, and did my very first show, band leading my dad's band at the age of 12 in front of 6,000 people at Radio City Music Hall. And then he realized that I was a way cheaper musical director than anyone else. So I did that up until The Roots. My first show with, with them was at Radio City Music Hall across the street from where I work now at The Tonight Show. Sure. And my very last show was at Madison Square Garden the night before we exiled The Roots to London to live there for four years to start our music career. And, you know, you obviously are, are a New York guy these days, and that's a huge you know, city for anybody yeah. in the music industry. But all of this Roots stuff really goes back to Philadelphia. And I saw earlier this year, right before COVID happened, I went to this uh, podcast conference in Brooklyn, and I saw your Roots co-founder, Tariq Blackthought, do a really cool candid conversation with the comedian Wyatt Cenac. And, you know, they started off talking about, like, which of them had the best beard, and I don't think there was a clear winner. <laughs> um, I think Tariq w- wins in my book, but uh, Wyatt asked about how the Roots got started, and it, it all went back to a place that seemed just like, kind of like this mythical, magical place, just from hearing the story of the Philadelphia High School for Creative and Performing Art. Or, yeah. or Kappa. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience there? I mean, I know like boys to men singing a cappella in one room. Every, yeah, every. Camping in the band room. And like, it just seemed, I loved the story and it made my imagination go wild. Can you tell about how you and Tariq connected and, <laughs> and, and some of the other amazing people that you've met through going there? This is the most unlikely story ever. And I'm going to try and tell it the fastest way possible because if you allow me, this will be a nine hour mini series. <laughs> All right. So from elementary to eighth grade, I went to performing arts, the private version. And then my parents wanting me to sort of steer me into some Ivy League direction, took me out and put me in this like nerdy college prep school for like two years, which was, uh, but you know, my heart was in the arts. And so the key component was there was a local dance show uh, in Philadelphia called Dancing on Air later dubbed Dance Party USA. Um, mm. People know that that's the show that Kelly Ripa got her start at. So think of like a local like Soul Train like show. So there were two girls on the show that me and my best friend were in love with and we wrote them uh, damn near stalker level like every week hoping to get our letter read on the air. Long story short, I got to meet the girl that I chose. My best friend didn't, but I later found out that she went to perform in art school. So I figured out a way to finagle my way out of this nerdy college prep school and back into performing arts because I really wanted to take music and all that stuff, like at least my last two years. So I don't know how I conned my parents into doing this, but by 11th grade, I'm at performing arts school. First time I'm in public school. And, you know, it's sort of like a fish out of water, like, wow, what's this? That sort of thing. I find out that the girl that my best friend from my other school likes works in the principal's office during the second period to hand out school tokens. And in order to get these school tokens, you have to have an ID. So I go to this principal's office. They told me sit on the bench and wait to get my picture taken for ID for school tokens. And literally the NTA or the school guard is kind of pushing in like think of like by the ear like the school troublemaker like get in there get in there yeah yeah. and he's suspending this is the first day of school maybe the first week of school 
I think it's the first day. It might be the third day of school. He's suspending this kid for fooling around with a girl in the bathroom. And that's how Tariq and I meet. <laughs> <laughs> so you like start off as like nemeses in, in a weird way. Kind well, of. In, in a way, like the only way I can consider it, like if you remember in Ferris Bueller's day off when uh, Jennifer, what's her name, is like on, at the police station meeting Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the Prince and a Pauper type thing. Like I was a sheltered kid, had no, you know, experience in life. Like everyone I hung with were adults. I didn't hang around with other teenagers. And this is like exciting. Like I'm in public school for the first time and there's a cafeteria. Like the schools I went to were like just 28 students. And he just became like this mythical legendary figure. So cut to about maybe three months later, the prettiest girl in school is in line uh, waiting for tokens, and I'm trying to figure out a way to like sort of finagle my way into their conversation. And uh, I just straight up lied. I, they were talking about Prince, and it's like, oh, I know about Prince. I'm gonna get in this conversation. So I get in there, and then I I corrected them about something like, no, that 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 was a B side. And they're looking at me like, who are you? Like, why are you in our conversation like that? And I said something like, yeah, you know, we uh we sampled that song uh, at the studio last night. And they're like, what studio? Oh, you know, my group. And they're like, what group? And Tariq just happened to be in the lunchroom. And I was just like, uh, with that guy. So cut to me like running to him later, like, yo, if anybody ask you, we're a group, okay? And he's just like, yeah, okay, cool. And that's literally what has me talking to you right now. That's so, it. Seated in a lie. <laughs> it's serendipity, man. But that's like, you know, it's the same way you became a band leader. It's serendipity. Like you kind of see these opportunities and you just roll I knew with it. Them, yeah, you know? I knew it. And I just took it. Um, I mean, it should be noted that Tariq, his freestyle prowess was also legendary in that school. Like, whereas everyone else would play the dozens. Right. You know, your mom's so fat. Right, right, right. on the shelves to be continued. But like with Tariq, he could rhyme that. And uh -huh. so that made him a legend. So. In short, that's how the that's the seeds of the roots, right there. That's such a cool. I, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, when I when I heard Wyatt and Tariq talking about it, I just pictured this kind of mythical scene of like you know worlds colliding and all that. And that scene sounds like it was about right. My dad works in B two B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. 
So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. So for me, Things Fall Apart was this like kind of gateway into hip hop. It was that record that had me discover like your earlier stuff, like Do You Want More? And then I got into Wu-Tang and Outkast. And, you know, even being in Georgia, I was listening to you guys before I even got into Outkast. So it was just a really big kind of gateway, musical gateway for me. And I remember riding around in my friend's car when I was like 15 or 16, and he put on You Got Me on this disc man uh, with the little cassette adapter, you know. <laughs> disc man, yeah. yeah, for sure. And, and it's actually funny because in the story I'm about to talk about, that comes up as well as like how you first heard the demo of You Got Me. But really quickly, the music nerd in me has to ask, the drumming on that, I'm sure you hear this a lot. It's yeah. some of the most like precision drumming I've ever heard. I remember mm-hmm. thinking it was a drum machine until so you kind of humanize it with this crazy drum and bass breakdown at the end. And it's almost like you're kind of playing a little audio trick on the listeners. Like, was that your goal or was it just kind of what happened naturally? Or I know you're really versatile as a drummer, but some of the root stuff and that one in particular, you play with this mechanized kind of precision that is almost like otherworldly. You know, by that point in 1997, you know, this will be our fourth attempt for world domination, which really doesn't happen. Like, if you're a rap group, you got one chance, maybe two chances, and, like, who gets to their fourth album before they get to their breakout moment? As I mentioned before, doing that last show at Madison Square Garden, we had made a decision to exile to London for fear that we were going to get dropped by our label. We were on Geffen Records at the mm-hmm. time. So the morning that Kurt Cobain had taken his life, we panicked that Geffen was going to just dismantle their entire black music department. And they actually did. So sensing that that hammer was about to fall down, we decided, okay, we're going to take the rest of our budget money, get this apartment in London as a hub, and then we're just going to get an agent and go tour all of Europe, all that we can. So three years straight, played everything, played basements, clubs, houses, like whoever would take us and just build our reputation on that. So in living in London, I got to meet a cat named Digo, who is part of a band called Four Hero. And essentially, like I'll say that junglist or jungle music, that type of drumming that I'm doing on that particular song with like the stutter stop. And actually, Mm -hmm. you know, Timberland would perfect it later on a lot of his early work. That was the trap music of the day back in London. 
you know, they would remix these songs. The first time I went in the nightclub, they played like Anita Baker's Sweet Love. And we're laughing at each other like, wait, why is everyone going crazy? Like, this is smells like teen spirit. And then the second the drums came in. Right. It was like chaos, moshing everywhere. And we're like, yo, America doesn't know about this. So at the time in doing You Got Me, I just, I wanted some sort of platform or excuse that would allow me to introduce that style of drumming. And it was a battle because like, that was our do or die moment. Like this song could make or break us. And there was concern, like if it's too radical, then this might not be palatable for radio. So I decided at the end, okay, I'll just do it at the end instead of the whole song. Initially, the entire song was supposed to be like drum and bass. Is, is there a version that exists like that? Like in the yes, archives somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. We just released Things Fall Apart 20, the box set uh, with outtakes and B-sides and other demos that didn't make the record. So I put a version on there with Jill Scott singing You Got Me where it's entirely drum and bass. Yeah. So I was referencing Jill Scott. She wrote the song. There's a fantastic interview, the first part of which is already out on Questlove Supreme, where you sit down with your dear friends. And like, I mean, you guys were in high school together, or at least, you know, came up together around the same time where she was doing poetry slam stuff. And you you didn't go to the same school, but you knew each other like early, early in those days. She originally did the vocal on that song and Mm -hmm. then found out that she got replaced by Erica Badu in real time, listening to it on the radio out in the world. I want people to tune into the episode to hear that story, but it really is a fantastic story where it kind of gives you a glimpse of, mm-hmm. you know, how her career developed beyond that and how what seemed like a really big stutter in the road for her ultimately just made her, I don't know, like it really just made you it was a blessing. Yeah. It, was, it was a weird blessing in disguise, but we're getting up on time and I want to get some of these questions from the audience. So okay. I want to uh, quickly just ask you pivot to talking about advertising. At your show, I know you think of as an extent, and everything you do, you think of an extension of yourself and your brand and all of that. And Mm -hmm. to me, I can sum that up with one word. It's authentic. So it it follows that when you're working with advertisers, it would be very important to you to only read ads for things that you really care about. Like I know you do stuff with uh, some meatless products where you do these cheesesteaks that you're, you know, connected with. And clearly that is something that you're putting creativity into. It's important to you for you to be connected with stuff that you actually care about. So can you give me some examples of things that you care about, like categories of brands or advertisers that you think are a good fit for you or for the listeners of Questlove Supreme? Well, as of now, we worked a lot uh, this past year. We've done nice work with Sonos. I mean, these are products that we actually use. Mm -hmm. I personally am very interested in sort of like the new food space, the what you would say alternative food space. Even though I'm not a vegan, I am environmentally conscious. And, you know, we are living right now. We're literally living in history. Like it's being written right now. So there are people that want to be on the right side of history. And for me, at least, I'm very much interested in in working with the products that I that I use in my everyday life. So pretty much, yeah, I, I walk it like I talk it. And this also is is the same for the other five people on the show with Fonte from Little Brother and Laie and Sugar Steve and Unpaid Bill, who was my partner in uh, Hamilton, and and he also did in the Heights. It's sort of a draw straws thing like, okay, well, you guys get this one today. And we, you know, I I think I did one or two Sonos commercials. Yeah, pretty much. I'm very much interested in products that I feel is on point with our brand and where we stand in the world today. 
I think the alternative food thing is a big one too. Uh, Cause again, I already see just following your Instagram that this is something that you're dabbling in and making recipes in. And it's something that's very much part of your life. I'm proud to say that I, I was the first guinea pig for Impossible Foods, Impossible Company back when they were just like four nerdy scientists trying to prove to me that their hamburgers were better than Shake Shack. <laughs> it was like yeah. a dare, like, right, yeah, right. get out right. of here. Come yeah. on. Once uh, I tasted the proof, then I was like, I'll do anything, you know, to make sure that this is revolutionary. That's it for my questions. I'm going to do a few from the audience and then we can, we can wrap this up. Uh, thanks again for sitting down. This has been awesome. Elena asks, best album to make you happy, make her happy, make one happy other than The Roots. G give us an album that, that's I'm been in, for you. Wow. I'm an album person. It's it's kind of hard, hard to find an album that makes me happy because I live in the age of playlist right now. Right. I will say that this week alone, my, my girlfriend and I fell into a rabbit hole. Carol King once did a, a children's record called Really Rosie. So I'll say that between that and uh, Marlo Thomas's Free to Be You and Me, that's like our, our happy place. Like we played that on Saturday and last Saturday was not the happiest day for me at all. So like at the rate where, you know, near 50 year old people are resorting to the records they listened to when they were eight years old shows you what type of world we listen to right now. Oh, yeah. I recently discovered Minnie Ripperton outside of Loving You. The end credits of Us, it has the song, The Floor, I believe it's called. The Floor, her from first the album. album, Masterpiece. It's incredible. Come to my garden. Yeah. It's a psychedelic kind of R&B masterpiece. Charles Stephanie. I couldn't believe it. And so I've yeah. gotten stuff like that and Dionne Warwick and a lot of the big kind of schmaltzy, Burt Bacharachy kind of production stuff. Like uh, that's, right. I'm not, not that this question was for me. I'm just a music nerd. I had to drop I, that. I will, yeah, I'll say that Come to My Garden is probably perfect from beginning to end. The perfect playable album, yes. All right, we've got one from Anonymous here. If you could perform with any musical icon, past or present, who would it be? I know you've already performed with a lot of your heroes, but if there's anyone that you hadn't, who would it be? Having the job I have right now on The Tonight Show has put me in in great company. So I've played with absolutely everyone. The one person on that list that would make it clean, and she's releasing new product this year. It's our dream to just be in the presence of Sade. But literally every, I mean, I played with this year alone, like the Isley Brothers, Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder. I mean, I played with Prince a whole bunch. Sting, Bruce Springsteen, like my checklist is, I'm satisfied. Oh I'm yeah, satisfied. <laughs> no, I'm satisfied. For sure. for sure. How about this one from Bailey? Do your musical influences change? Like, you know, obviously you have your go-tos from when you were a kid and things that have affected you throughout your life, but do you ever find a new artist that just really hits it for you and like reinvigorates you? Kind of the beauty in shuffle culture or, or with streaming culture is like the world's now your oyster. You can carry your entire music collection inside this device now. So every day varies. Like right now, just looking at his political activism, especially with his relationship with the Nigerian government right now, returning back to Fela just to, mm -hmm. to see his fearlessness. I called once in 2003 that, you know, during this time period, we would get more socially conscious songs and I was wrong. But now I feel in 2020, in a sincere, non-performative way, I think that we're going to get a lot of material that really reflects life as it is now. Like we kind of been in this law since 1997, where it's like 
being apolitical and not speaking your truth and not wanting to be the downer to show people what life was out. You know, I think people are really now to the point where they have to say the truth and say what's going on in the world today. So I'm listening to Phil Akuti from Nigeria. Not to mention that everyone's kind of been cocooned up in this weird bubble where maybe they're getting to be creative for the first time or revisiting creativity. I talk about this in my book. Yes, I think this is the best time. Like for a lot of people, I'm calling them daily. Like, what's your process now? Like now that you have silence, like in the creative quest book, I told people that being bored is probably the most important thing that you can be because silence is where the ideas come in and oftentimes like when we're bored we just want to entertain ourselves and you know we live in times now where you have to sit silent so that you personally don't go insane like not overdoing it on the news we're all quarantined with our family members so people are like finding closets in the house just to sit in for a half hour Mm -hmm. just to listen to silence so there is a creative silver lining in what we're in right now to that end with social injustice at the forefront of these conversations some of our roles still are about creating paid marketing with ad campaigns how do you see that like it's obviously you don't want to have to tiptoe around it we've seen so much advertising shifting to being very covid centric and we know how things have changed how do you make that part of the advertising conversation without it seeming opportunistic what i think we've been experiencing in the last month or so is that people now know the the effects of where the average everyday person stands and i see everyone getting in line i mean the fact that you know i just got a notice from chase bank today talking about you know taking off for juneteenth something i never thought i'd hear in this lifetime i wished for the day in which advertisers and companies really operate under the right side of history And there have been times where, you know, I've seen a lot of these ads where, you know, from companies that don't support things that I support, like anti-prison labor and all those things. But now, slowly, I'm starting to see that they're at least having the conversation and getting it together. So, as I said, we're living in history right now. So, hopefully, you know, that advertisers will step up to bet and do the right thing. Uh, You really answered a handful of these questions that were kind of around that, and I I appreciate it. The last question comes from Sean, and then we'll wrap. Is there a new Roots album coming? And Yes, I've been been threatening the in-game album for like a year and a half now. Got it. And like, (laughs) as soon as, quote, this is over, yes, it's coming. Awesome. Well, Amir, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure for me, and and I hope for the folks at home. Really appreciate you sitting down with me and chatting about all this stuff. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Conversations is a production of iHeartRadio. You can find more from the biggest names in podcasting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.